Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Straver, Mike Palmer with you. We are joined by guest Melissa Griffith. Melissa, how are you doing? I am doing great. Friday afternoon. Love it. Fantastic. We're going to talk about digital literacies on today's podcast and so much more fluency, literacy about the digital world and how to bridge and grow from there. Mike, as always, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm trying to understand how to use the technology around me critically. Uh, so, you know, I was able to power up uh, my computer. Uh, I am connected to the internet and uh, my microphone appears to be working. So, I'm at least hitting some base level uh, digital literacy just Is to that get this thing up. Digital or technology literacy, Mike? It's all part of the broader penumbra of there's a number of uh, digital literacies under the umbrella of digital literacy. We'll get into that in some depth, Melissa, but thank you. Thanks thanks for the clarification. Active engagement is also signaling your digital literacy. So well done. Well done. I I defer back to you, uh, Daniel. Now, Mike, in the past, we have talked about uh, digital digital literacy amongst uh, older generations and how people can work to become more literate when it comes to digital use and how we can uh, help educate both uh, school-aged children and maybe uh, seniors or, or everybody in between on getting more up to speed on digital literacy. What about the topic of digital literacies speaks to you and, and how does this become a much broader topic that we can take a deeper dive on today? Yeah, uh, good question. So there's this uh, gentleman from the UK named uh, Doug Belshaw, who um, I saw speak at a conference. There was a conference about the future of higher education called the Ithaca uh, Conference in New York that I attended a couple weeks ago. I think we might try to do a a summary of that show, uh, of that uh, conference as a follow-up show. But um, uh, Doug spoke there and he talked about digital literacies and I thought it was a pretty interesting uh, level deeper to kind of, uh, you know, unpack what do we mean when we talk about digital literacy. There's also an emerging term of art called digital fluency. Um, and um, interestingly, he talks, he likes to think of it as digital literacies, plural, um, and that they're all about context and that power is also an important dynamic. Um, so I think those were kind of next level ideas. And then he outlined eight different, uh, four mindsets and four skill sets that are relevant to engaging with, uh, with sort of the digital universe in, in, in contemporary times. Um, I kind of liken it to Howard Gardner's multiple intelligences. You know, the idea that like, you know, you may, maybe you're better at music than you are at dance and movement. Uh, Not everybody's as gifted across those things as me, for example. But uh, that was that was a that was a joke. I was I was dancing. Sorry, uh, yeah. I was I was laughing on the inside. No, no, you're being entertained. Uh, yeah, but uh, but, uh, but yeah, like I think it's kind of like that. Where like rather than think uh, it's a binary, like either I'm a, I'm digitally literate or I'm not. It's more like there's multiple modes of being uh, conversant, fluent, literate in uh, digital formats. And um, he went to, into all of that with some depth. Uh, and uh, he also uh, does talk about the idea of surveillance capitalism, uh, which I hadn't really heard before, but that's sort of the idea that the business models of big companies uh, like Facebook, uh, Google and the like are built on um, sort of a constant monitoring of uh, digital behavior. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that many of us are are operating unaware of that. Um, so I think a lot of the sort of literacies that he's talking about are kind of getting getting more fully aware of the context in which you're engaging with the internet and with digital tools. Um, so I thought it was pretty interesting because we have talked to Melissa in particular about some of the the data privacy uh, concerns um, and, uh, you know, data privacy, data literacy, I think are uh, in some ways two sides uh, of the same same coin. So, uh, yeah, Melissa, you look like you were ready to jump in there. No, I, I actually had more of a question for you because uh, you were the one who turned me on to Doug. I'm curious because you, you mentioned it a little bit, but uh, it would be good to hear you expand on like digital literacy as power. Like yeah. what is what what does that actually uh, mean for us who are not as well versed? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, and obviously, this is, uh, this is sort of like a shout out to Doug Belshoff. Would he be a great guest for us to, to get as, a, as maybe a follow up to this show? Because uh, I think his ideas are, are pretty interesting and kind of surprising at times. But I think it's the context in which you're engaging through digital. Uh, frequently, that context is designed with power dynamics, with profit dynamics. Generally, a lot of the digital experiences that are designed are designed by for-profit companies and and then the user doesn't consume them in that context the user is sort of blind like absently consuming it there's no sense of like critical awareness of the the fact that they're being tracked or the fact that um you know but through use of things like cookies while you're searching or while you're engaging with social your feed is actually going to be different than mine because our cookies are different. Even if we just go to Google or, you know, or, or a browser and search for the exact same thing, um, it can create what's called a filter bubble, which is like you're, you're basically fed back the type of stuff that you're interested in. And that can sort of reinforce a lot of the social polarization and isolation that's happening uh in modern life so let me see if i let me see if i understand it because i actually think it's a, it's an interesting point right so is it in the case of like um so i'm a avid now youtube uh video watcher mm -hmm. and so i will i will watch let's say i watch stephen covell uh, Stephen Colbert video that YouTube tends to feed me um, then Stephen Colbert it will feed me like uh, Seth Meyers will feed me like Trevor Noah is that the extent because one of the things I, I found interesting is that when that happens right I, I imagine there's a counter dynamic that happens um, on the other side where like if I if I was to look at a video that was Breitbart uh, in nature it will start to, to fit that is that what it's saying it's where like someone like YouTube or a Google or a Facebook, they are going to, they control the narrative for uh, profitability purposes. Like their, their belief is that they're going to keep me engaged as long as they can keep me engaged. Yes. Uh, right. Is, is yeah. that the extent of it? Yes. And like uh, one of the slides, you know, he talks about, you know, there's a quote, I've, I'll dig it up in a second, but it's like paraphrasing, like the greatest minds of my generation are figuring out how to get people to click on it. Slide 26. Yeah. Yeah, who's, who said that, Dan? Uh, Jeff Hump Hammerbacker. Yeah, so early like, Facebook employee. Yeah, so I think you know the hotter take because like we're we're trying we're trying to get into like the ten year time horizon uh, forecast in addition to the one year. So like where would we be not just the end of twenty twenty, but where would we be by twenty thirty? The interesting take that I think I got from uh, his presentation is he was also saying that he thought the uh, surveillance capitalism as a business model 
would not be as strong at the end of the next decade as it is today. So like he, he was basically um, signaling, I think that the, the, the many of these platforms are, are experiencing a crisis of trust that we've talked about. You know, it's hard to figure out what's true on those platforms. And as that continues to eat away at uh, the public trust, he seemed, and again, I, I think he's, he's, he's almost advocating for, for new sort of open source uh, browsers to replace Google and sort of like uh, Mastodon was one that he talked about as like a browser that he could, you know, Duck, Duck, Duck Goose is another one. But um, rather than just going to the default, like dominant platforms, understand the context in which those platforms are beneficial to you. And then understand that there are other platforms that give you, you know, like more control over your own data. Um, and uh, I don't know whether he's right. You know, like I, I actually I mean, think the monopolies that are that exist today are, are pretty deeply entrenched in our global economy. So like I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how the next ten years will go. But I thought it was a provocative uh, take. And then regardless, you know, he's saying like, you know, view source when you're browsing. Think about your cookies. Think about when you want to go incognito versus not not just because you're doing something you shouldn't be doing it's also just because you know your data your privacy is your own um last point i would say is like a lot of people are saying privacy is gone you know so like the notion of privacy when you're in a digital format is, is almost dated now so i think that is a i'd almost want to hear his reaction uh, to that, but uh, but I just thought they were pretty provocative ideas. And then I thought we could probably spend a little time just talking about the different, like the eight uh, or so uh, competencies that he outlined. Um, and then the other part, just around power, Melissa. Uh, I know I said I was going to stop, so apologies. But um, is uh, there's the George Orwell quote? You know, he who controls uh, the past controls the present, and he who controls the present controls the future. So I think the idea is that like by virtue of the power dynamics of context, you get a little bit Orwellian and you can actually sort of control the way we think about what it means to be digital. Um, so I think he's just, she's trying to provide a counter framework. Um, so that was I thought there were interesting ideas in there. I mean, no, I mean, he, it, it is an interesting, it, one, it's an interesting time we live in and it's a, an interesting take on it. Like, I don't like, so I, I take, I take, some argument with some of his positions at least as you express them like i do i'm i'm on the side of i think privacy is gone uh, i i think it it has left a while ago i think you can do things to protect yourselves but even something like going incognito mode on google only stops only so much your, yep only stops your computer from tracking it it does not stop everyone else from tracking you so it's actually it's a false sense of security right. in, in my mind to go incognito because um, hackers aren't coming into my house to look at my my computer screen. That stops my my husband or or, or my significant other from being able to absolutely tell, right. Yep. Tell what I've done. Nothing else. Yeah. So I, I take some uh, premise in that and and to to go to and and we've had this conversation on the call before to go to. Um, to go to a world where I, I step away from Google is a scary world for me because Google provides so much value. So I don't think that's the answer. So I do what I'm interested in because when you talk about digital literacy and, and especially on this um, call, it goes back to education in my mind and always to, to education. And like, I need to be aware 
in particularly in this time of fake news and uh, and of the and of the way because I I get caught in I get caught up in it right so I am fed stuff that I want to see right um, and so I get I get entrenched in my belief that the world thinks like me and I think there's a version of this not to get um, with the show political but there's a version of this that just happened in the UK again mm-hmm. in, in the in the elections that happened where like you get caught up in your own world and then you realize that like yeah the rest of the world does not think like you so right. Melissa, wouldn't that speak, though, to, to getting outside of Google? Like, wouldn't that speak to using a DuckDuckGo or using Google without your cookies enabled no. so that your feedback loop isn't just your own? No, no, because it, it, it no, because I, like, I think um, I am a, I am a, I'm a capitalist as its core. And I will, so I will say this, uh, uh, follow, follow, follow this trend, <laughs> follow this trend for a, a little while, right? Um, I can, if you show me a system that uh, you think it's better than Google, I will show you a system that I will corrupt when it, it becomes, uh, when it becomes popular. Like I will learn to game any system. And uh, like, I believe, I believe my dad always used to say this, um, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the, like if, if a new system took over, I will figure we will figure out a way to corrupt it. So I like the thing that I think is uncorruptible is, is my mind. And so I think in a world where I like, I have recognized that Google is searching and, and showing me this, I can easily, because it is still a computer in, in a sense, I can easily type in, some other statement into my search browser that allows me to see the other side and then follow Google down that path right. of it. And I do do it from time to time because it is a way to see how the world thinks. And that's mm-hmm. the only way I actually believe you can get out of, uh, of the, the mind game that these browsers put you in. Right. While not losing the value that it provides. So. Yeah. And I think that gets back to the idea of informed consent and like, you know, knowing what you're signing off on, yeah. you know, what are the terms and conditions and, um, and how much is the platform protecting the, the its consumers, its its members' data? And uh, I think there is going to be something interesting. Something interesting should emerge in the next ten years if you are looking at that long a time horizon, particularly around uh, technology like decentralized technologies like the blockchain. Like that's where I would imagine more um, splintering of how people are engaging through uh, digital platforms around things like search, like where like at least an informed, like, you know, Digirati will know how to navigate Google in the way that you're describing. And then when they want to search in a way that Google wouldn't understand, they would go to another browser. And then increasingly, I think the argument is that that movement towards decentralization is is sort of a natural, it's like an inevitable uh, aspect of technical um, advancement is that those forms are gonna get more um, uh, decentralized and then individuals will be engaging. It's also reminds me of the concept of the splinter net too, like the idea that like, there'll be regional versions of the, like, right now the, the internet as it exists in China is very different than as it exists in the US than as it exists in, uh, in Europe, for example. So like even today, the experience of digital is gonna be very different depending on your context. And uh, I think those are actually next level insights. And if you don't play with your head up, I think these technologies will lead to more insularity, tribalism, and 
like populism. So like, that's why the educational mission around this stuff is, is so fundamental. Uh, and it also does tie to the idea of digital inclusion, which I keep coming back to. It's, it's probably one of the, the, the topics that I was most happy that we covered, but the idea that like the way everyone engages even with technology or the internet is very different depending on their context and like community centers and libraries and other coffee shops um, are actually uh, critical to how we understand digital literacy, digital contexts, uh, digital inclusion. Um, and it, none of this is built into our K-12 curriculum. Uh, oh. Maybe there's a little bit of this emerging in like media studies or ethics departments or maybe some social sciences, sociology. But like, what's interesting is like the, the more critical academic perspective on this stuff, I think needs to get more air. And I think people need to be having more conversations really about all of this. So I, I was somewhat inspired uh, and obviously it's a little bit scary, but like, I think it is a place to, to be thinking about how do you cultivate these uh, literacies in yourself? And then if you are on the learning and education side, like. How do you think about um, sharing that knowledge with folks who may not be uh, as far along the curve as you might be? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question and I, I don't necessarily know if I, I have the answer to it. The thing that as you're talking, what I'm reflecting on is like we're, we're raising a, a generation of kids that are going to grow up right with, with an iPad or a, an iPhone in their hand mm -hmm. and they spend an inordinate amount of themselves their time watching videos and do they even realize that they are, are they're, that they're being like uh pushed into a box where they're, that's they're only going to be fed the same thing over and over again right. i think i i think getting the i get getting this type of education into uh, curriculums at a very young age and and more responsible is something that we're going to need to start teaching our kids i would yeah. i would even challenge that to an extent of the education of the parents matters too. Like the, yes. we, we are at a point where I think there are a lot of parents, myself included, who will say, Hey, here's a phone, stop screaming at the restaurant or, Hey, here's the iPad. Just, just stop, you know, doing whatever you're doing. And I, I've made sure to monitor YouTube usage for my two year old. She'll watch some toddler videos, their color videos or whatever it might be. And then 30 minutes later, there's a video on there that's questionable. That yep. clearly is a moment of wait a second, what's going on. So I completely agree that we need it in K-12. Like we need to start there as well. But I think as a societal problem, we need to be really understanding, educating everyone about how this world is working. And I, I agree with you a lot, Melissa, on, you know, I've bought into Google. I have an Android. I, I give them a lot of my data and I think they provide me more than we've talked about this previously, more benefit than harm. Uh, but I do think privacy is gone and that I think I'm trying to teach my kids how to play in that space effectively, like to understand what they're putting out there, understand the data they're giving away by watching a certain video or signing in somewhere, whatever it might be. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's any different than we used to tell uh, when I, when I was younger, I used to be told, don't, don't talk to strangers, do not get whatever you do, that candy in that white van, don't, don't go for it. Um, I mean, it was a hard lesson, but I, I learned it. <laughs> I learned it, but that's, it is no different than that, right? Like there is a new education that we have to have uh, as parents. I am not one. I just like to pretend like I am. And um, and, and then that uh, we're going to have to tell our kids because it is, it's, I don't think 
I am not, and I will never be on the side of pulling back on technology or highly regulating technology mm -hmm. in an effort to protect people because I think technology and advancements in technology and AI and, digi uh, and digital movements are always going to, uh, the benefits are going to outweigh the dangers. And we're going to have to learn as a society to evolve and, 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 and play in those new spaces. Yeah, I, 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 I agree to a certain extent. I also, I, I, I think in particular the, um, the context you're talking about around um, the, the notion of like digital natives and now I hear like AI natives or like whatever version of natives, like sort of a proxy for these kids today and the way they use the new technology. Um, I think it's, it's almost to me comes back to the idea of uh, intergenerational uh, diversity too, where like the idea that, you know, older generations understand what it's like to live without the the phone as a regular part of their digital context and like that's actually something to be celebrated as much as the the facility that you know quote unquote digital natives have with those same tools and that the more you're sort of designing for more varied contexts uh the better and and the more people are seeking out those differences uh, you know, like it's the whole inclusion versus exclusionary practice, you know, like how do you encourage um, almost the opposite of the filter bubble or the echo chamber, like, like the, the positive discovery of, of things that would not be served to me by the algorithm. Uh, it almost reminds me of, you know, Google used to have the I feel lucky button that nobody would hit. Yes, I know. I used like, to click it all the time. Okay. So it's some of us, those of us who like variable reinforcement would hit it, but, uh, but like, there is a little bit of that where like, you know, the other concern is that the algorithms themselves are not, you can't view source on them because like they are just powering the feed and we don't, even the people within these organizations, another, um, another part of that same Ithaca conference I was at had uh, someone who was, uh, so who was leading the uh, election research for Facebook and it was kind of scary because like they're not going to have their findings on the problems with Facebook's, uh, you know, data sharing policies and how it Im impact impacted the 2016 election until after the 2020 election. And like, that's the part that I just kind of blows my mind where it's like, you know, you know, even the, the first do no harm idea, like, you know, you've done harm and you have not figured out, you can't kind of, you know, the genie's out of the bottle and you can't figure out how to get it back in. And now another election is coming. So like, I, I think it's an interesting uh, space. And then the results of the, 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 the election in the UK also um, signal that, you know, the, the echo chamber polarization, tribalism that's powered by platforms, these argued quote unquote surveillance capitalism platforms, uh, you know, meanwhile, Facebook saying, uh, you know, they're not going to remove political ads and they're not going to remove political ads that include lies. Like that's, that's some deep stuff, you know? And uh, like, I, I feel like there are times when rather than immediately go to like a political take or like go to something inflammatory, it's more just, just pause and be critical about it and be like, damn, like that's complex. Not really sure what we need to do, but like, I think just, you know, embracing a little comfort with complexity, comfort with discomfort is sort of, I think the new normal. And 
and then the same thing about, we talk a lot about the importance of intentionality, like just know what you're doing, you know? And if you decide, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to Facebook for a while. Cause I, cause I just want to blow off some steam. And I, I know it's, yeah, there's advertising there, but, but I'm just doing it. Um, that's your right. You know, go for it. But like, I think at least, at least go in with your eyes open, I think. And then how do you teach people to go in with their eyes I, open? I, I mean, I think that that is the, the last point you said there is yep. the point. My, my, my challenge is this, right? Like, I know, I don't even go on Facebook anymore. Like, it, like whereas Google, I'm like, uh, you can have my Google when you have my cold, dead body. <laughs> um, Facebook, I, I'm just not interested. I go on yep. Facebook occasionally to wish someone happy birthday. Right. Like, that is, that is about the extent I use Facebook right now because I don't value the information. But I, I do, I think it's hard, right? Because I do, I do live in my eco chamber. Whereas even if I don't read the New York Times or I don't have these videos served of me, I live in a society where around uh, really, really like strong liberals, right. right? And so I live in that eco chamber. And so it's a hard concept for me to say like, just let's, let's just like, just be more informed you guys in, in, in the Rust Belt over there. Right. And, and don't fall for the Facebook ads because the reality is by the way, the way those algorithms work is, and we're just mad at them right now, is that like as a liberal, we're just mad at them, is they first searched or like their cousin first set them an ad that was misleading or was right. what they wanted to hear and they bought into it. So right. I, we're just mad at the fact that they're probably more like, uh, populists out there than they are liberals. Well, and yeah, so, I mean, I, sure. I, I think we're also mad that it's that whole idea that the greatest minds of my generation have been uh, trying to figure out how, how to get people to click on ads, you know? Yeah. So like that is ultimately, that doesn't have to be the foundation of our modern technology ecosystem. Like it is, but it and, is, and, and it, and it may, may be self-reinforcing, self-fulfilling, but like understanding that there are other ways to model how you would build, design a platform, design a system that is less predatory on the uninformed is a useful thought exercise. I, I agree. Maybe it can translate into policy. Maybe it can translate into, into something more, but like it, rather than just say, it is what it is. Hey, they won. No, no, know. no, no. Fundamentally, here, here's my one. Fundamentally, and I, I may be an odd person in this mix. As, as a bleeding heart liberal mm -hmm. with a very capitalist line, like I cannot wrong Facebook and Google for wanting to make money, right? right? So they have hired, because they are willing to pay them really big bucks, someone to work on this problem. Right. right? And, and to do it, right? Like, instead of getting mad at them for wanting to make money and telling them, no, 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 you, you're being bad. You're being bad for society, right? I, I believe if, if we're being bad for society, uh, society will uh, reject the, the bad element eventually. And I think you will see that eventually. Mm -hmm. And so our jobs as people who dis may disagree with the fundamental principle of what they're pushing is to educate and I, I will continue to go back to that it's to educate but to educate is not to like be like smacking facebook on the wrist it's not gonna work like they're a publicly traded company at the end of the day if i invest in their stock right. or i want to make money or if i short their stock because i believe they're going right. to go out of business which is well, what i'm doing talked, i want <laughs> yeah and we've talked a little bit about divestment too yeah. like another move like yeah movements are there you know boycotts is the other like opting out of platforms is another 
place where, you know, you actually do have agency as an individual, but I think a lot of that then becomes more like, like activism to kind of begin and, movements to opt out of these platforms, which, which is tied to the education uh, yeah. part, part as well. Uh, I just think like an unchecked um, profit oriented uh, set of platforms that are sort of driving our global uh, economy is setting us up for some disruption, I think, one way or another. It either becomes Orwellian be. in terms of the, the sort of the continued sort of dominance of those platforms, or they actually do face some disruption either from the market or from a combination of the market and, and some and regulation, you know, like one of those things is, is gonna happen. I, I agree, but I, I think as um, if we, uh, the activism is to beat them at their own game. It's to use these platforms for good rather than evil. That will continue to, to be my position, whether it is possible or not. And to really, it is to, one, understand like what it is, like uh, make sure that the, the world understands that you are being fed a better lies when you are being fed a better lies. Right. Right. And well, that, yeah, and it does remind me a little bit of the business roundtable sort of pitch, you know, C corps to like companies that are actually understanding that there's multiple stakeholders, including the employees they need to attract and retain, the customers they want to get lifetime value from, their suppliers, et cetera. Like all these people want to engage, all these stakeholders want to engage with an organization that has a position on these things. And I think increasingly those big players are hoping that folks don't scratch the surface too much. Cause I think, and that maybe that's the bigger point and, and who knows the next 10 years, I'm not sure how they'll actually play forward, but like, you know, some of these technologies, some of these platforms were built 10 years ago and or longer and built on models that sort of were the, the prevailing thinking at that time. I just think that thinking may be evolving to the point that new and emerging approaches to solving these same problems may ultimately win the day. You know, it, it's tricky though, because I think these things are so um, deeply ingrained in our our daily life that I think, you know, actually not using Google um, is really challenging for, for many of us. So um, so anyway, it's complicated, right? Like It, we, it is complicated. Yeah. So well, get back. Go ahead, Dan. Well, I was going to take it a different way. So to wherever you're going to go, Melissa, go next. No, no, I was going to take it a different way too, because uh, I think we've, we, we've exhausted the, uh, the fake news aspect of digital literacy. Well, that's where I was, I was going to turn. So we almost Robert frosted this, but yeah. we'll, we'll go down the same path. Um, the uh, fact here is he lays the groundwork in this presentation specifically around fake news first and, and presents the idea of fake news and how there are many ways that it happens, both on social media, made an example of a, a tweet from a WhatsApp that someone sort of cropped and photoshopped a tweet and shared in WhatsApp and the person refused to find the source material. Like they refused to go to Twitter and try to actually find whether or not it was true. They just assumed being there was a screen cap of it, that it existed. Mike, to your point, he, he talks a lot later on about source code and the idea of being able to click on something and see where it all came from. And the idea of those core literacies and being able to have the ability to, to piece it all together and, and have it be more than just, you said, binary. It's not black and white. There's multiple layers to this. Seems really interesting and, and something we probably spend another hour talking about as we get through it all. But of these eight 
you know, core literacies underneath and of the sort of construction he put together in this presentation, what spoke to you the most? Like what made the most sense to you and, and how do we take it forward to be educational, to be a learning topic, to be something we discuss at, at length in the future? Yeah, uh, I think we'll probably need to come back to it at a later time, but I think the, the idea that there's both skill sets and mindsets at a, at a higher level is a, is a nice way of thinking about it too. There's skills, but then there's ways of thinking. The mindsets seem a little more social emotional, you know, so like, you know, are you confident? Are you critical? Um, are you civic? Sure got, are you civic? You know, um, I found them really inspirational. They're confusing because they all begin with C's. Uh, so uh, I think in order to be quizzed on this, we would probably want to uh, get our digital literacy flashcards together and uh, and make sure we understand them all. It's like categories. But, you just start. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of them like, you know, civic, creative, critical, um, uh, confident. Um, I think they do start to outline sort of a, a nice aspirational notion of how we're engaging with uh, our digital lives and our digital selves. And then he's also got the, the, so the, the bigger idea of remixing. So like try to pull these competencies together in different ways. So like, I guess creative maybe is the one that, that uh, I'm reacting to the most in that like, I think you need to be making things uh, in this new uh, era. And like even, you know, teaching is that, um, you know, instructional design is that, writing, uh, you know, music, the arts. Um, I think that's where humanity is gonna gravitate towards, creating amazing experiences. Um, and, um, I think in order to do that, you have to understand like all the complexity we just outlined. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot to chew on and it's probably a, a set of themes that I think we'll continue to revisit, uh, over the course of the coming years. Melissa, any initial reaction? I think we will dive in deeper, but any uh, initial reaction to the idea of skill sets, mindsets about there being a deeper understanding of literacies rather than just digital literacy? And uh, yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean, I, I think he hit the, he hit the nail on, on the, hit the nail on the head. Uh, I believe is the actual uh, definition, uh, the actual phrase. Um, I, I do. There's not just one. Uh, there, there is a need to learn more. There's a need to be become more familiar, and and not just as, not just in kindergarten as as you raise, but all through your adulthood. I, I actually think the point he's making is not just one. Uh, it's not just one literacy, uh, literacy that you need to learn. It's a whole handful of suites. I can argue with his eight C's as a, a really hard thing to to grasp, but um, I think his points are, are right. And I think Mike's point, and so I will echo it, what he just said there. Um, the mixing uh, the mixin of the, the C's is important, right? And so we've spent a lot of time, um, partly because it's what I'm most, always most interested in, talking about how, the, how civics and, and what is our role as like as arbiters of of data and learning and and of educating the world uh, is to play? I, I think those are those are important points, right? Those are important things for us to to get right, and I think we sh we should deep dive into it more in, into each of these points more. And I'll point out, uh, this is all available on his website, which is uh, literary so l i t e r a c i dot es so it yeah. reads as literacies uh but the uh, uh what is that called the end of dot com instead is dot es so literacy is one url but dot es is stuck in there melissa uh, go ahead yeah i know you want to wrap the one more point and i'll bring it back is um the power is important right like uh the person who controls the power wins this uh this is why i asked mike to explain it at the start 
was because like right now the algorithms do control it and they do control um, control what we see and what we do and they have all the power to dictate what we do but that is that power is something that we have given them as a society and us uh, educating ourselves is actually what I actually think will take that power back to us and we get to govern our own lives is what I always try to rem remind everyone. A lot of this discussion predicated off of the work of Dr. Doug Belshaw. Again, it's literacies with the .es as a part of the URL. You can go check out his work. All of uh, his uh, slides are readily available for public consumption and will help uh, this conversation as you listen to it here on Training and Education. He has other uh, TED Talks from previous stops along the way and does some periscopes as well over on Twitter. If you want to check out more of his content, we'll be reaching out and hopefully bring him here onto the podcast in the not-too-distant future. Question him on the eight Cs. Uh, but then go deeper, obviously, into all of this discussion points as we roll on. You can find us uh, on Twitter at Trending and Ed. Same on Facebook, LinkedIn. It's linkedin.com slash Trending Education. Want to know what you think about digital literacy and fluency, but even further, these sort of frameworks uh, around digital literacies uh, that we discussed on today's episode. More to come in the future and hope you enjoyed listening to Trending in Education.